Are you ready to approach the sublime? <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to start a little bit earlier because um, our guests have so many beautiful things to say. I want to make sure they have all the time they, they, they have to do that. I, I'm Russell Steinberg, if you don't know me, and it's a real honor to be doing these upbeat lives for this uh, Los Angeles Philharmonic Tristan project. Uh, can I just see how, uh, how many of you are just coming to this act, the third act, so we can see? Okay, so that gives me an idea, about a third of you. Okay, so you're, <laughs> you're coming in after, the rest of us have been through a long journey, <laughs> and this journey has been, um, you know, what's, I think one of the things so special, uh, and Peter will talk about this, is that, is that uh, even though we have to drive uh, many times, three times to Disney Hall, if we're going to see the whole thing, in between, there's a lot that happens inside of us, and that we bring that to each succeeding act. You know, this, what I was just playing you was the keening of the English horn, the solo uh, near the very beginning of the third act that is just... It just pierces your heart, and the music from this solo affects the entire act. The, if you'll remember, those of you who are, oops, hold on a second, I went on my, they always want to sell me things. No, thank you. That's about, no, bring me back to my library. Oh, here we go. If you remember, um, we started the second act with these hunting horns. Da, 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 da. And now these, you know, for, for me at least, though, there was a kind of magical quality, certainly in, in Isolde's ear, she was hearing those in a magical quality. And now we hear those same, that same interval kind of perverted. Instead of da, 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 now we have dum, bum. We go to this tritone, dum, bum. And it creates a completely different emotional world. And of course, the tritone has been so central to all of the music we've been hearing in the piece. Listen again. Down. Yeah, this is source music, as we'd say in the film world, and source in a very real way, because we find out that this tune not only isn't background, but this tune actually has a huge role to play in the story that unfolds, as we learn that this tune actually was the first tune, perhaps, Tristan heard as he was being born. You know, it, it, it foretold the death of his parents, it's foretelling his own deaths, and it has, it has this deep emotional feel. Um, everything I've told you uh, in the other two talks, for those of you who have been here, I've told you the Tristan progression is really what forms all the musical material for this piece, which we hear at the very opening of the opera. Just those four chords are everything. And when this act opens, we're really put in, we are put really in the sublime, you know, an area beyond which we can know. 
And the, the first music we hear, instead of that progression, which we get three times, yearning, 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 always going higher, we've now come to kind of its final destination and resting place. And that's, that's what starts uh, this, entire, this entire act. Let me play that for you. sitting on it, and a third time sitting on it. And then our soul transcends in the violins and these incredible duet of thirds. Higher, 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 higher. It just seems impossible that they can keep climbing like that. And uh, <laughs> for those of us who, you know, come to this hall all the time and hear the symphonic music, you know, we're, we, this, is the, this is the source for us, the Tchaikovsky Pathétique, Richard Strauss' Death and Transfiguration, Mahler, The Song of the Earth, you know, all these incredible symphonic pieces that we love hearing in this hall. And here's their source in, in this second and third act of Tristan. Very powerful. And then, you know, we can hear everything has moved into, now we're actually getting a tonal resolution of this cadence. It's a plagal cadence in minor, a kind of amen. And if you can imagine slowing down the hallelujah chorus and putting it in minor, <laughs> that's kind of what, you, what you, would, you would get with this. And what Wagner does in this third act is, is just remarkable because he explores the region between consciousness and oblivion. And he does this in the music, and very soon my two guests, Kira Perov and Peter Sellers, will explain to you how this is happening on so many levels uh, in the opera and the video that, that is a counterpoint to it. Um, but in the music that happens, because we've been used to these chords always going four chords. And then what he does, Tristan recount, he awakes from his coma, because we begin, he's, he's, he's already in that realm of oblivion. He, he wakes from the coma, and he starts to talk to Kervanal, his, his loyal, faithful servant, what that experience was like. And what, so what Wagner does is he gives us the rhythm, ba, 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 but, away, but without the chords. And you know, to really give us an experiential, emotional feeling for this. Here, those four notes coming up from the bottom, but they're not accompanied now. They're not corporeal, right? There's no body. And they just disintegrate each one. And then he talks about what brought him back to the world. And it was this yearning. And the, so the music tells the story, because of course, what do we expect to hear that brought him back to the world was this progression of chord, this Tristan progression. Ich wand mir seine Hand. 
Jesus. Driving, yearning, going upwards. Always upwards. And then he starts to relate how it's become in a certain way a torture because it's, it, it's a yearning that can never be quenched. And what Wagner does musically is he, he turns the progression, you know, he combines it with the English horn tune and it becomes a very searing progression. Listen to this motive. You can't understand my suffering. And he talks about then, then how it's become a terrible potion. And then you have the great moment, I think, of self-realization when he said, the truth is, it wasn't the poison that created I myself made the brew. And he's talking about his whole history that made the brew. And so what Wagner does musically is you get his history, which was the English horn tune I just played you. That was that song of lament. And he puts that, Wagner puts that on top of the Tristan progression and it builds up to this mighty climax of realization. powerful moment, not only uh, you know, dr dramatically and, and musically. When he dies, you know, he di he's going to die just when, when Isolde arrives. And what's so powerful, you know, you keep imagining, imagine if you're Wagner, how do you, you know, you're always keeping this progression fresh. What do you do at this moment of death? And it is so, what he, he, he just slows time, pulls it like taffy, so slow, and extends and then that moment the love theme comes in, where before we saw in the first act, you know, the, the, you hear a, a tune in the cellos, and then, you know, Isolde says Tristan, and then another, the tune continues, and he goes Isolde. So you don't, you don't hear, you hear him just mutter her name, and then he expires. And musically, it's so powerful. Let me just play that for you. I should mention, this is the very first music we heard at the beginning of the opera. All those silences are now filled in with descending figures going down, down, while the melody goes up. So you always get this, these opposites. And then this amazing extension, right? where they realize their love just impossibly held. And then falls. And now the love theme comes in.
she doesn't sing Tristan. That's that. Powerful. The last thing I want to share with you is a kind of secret. And the, at the end of the, you know, the, the, this whole thing builds to the Liebestot, the great, this great aria that Isolde sings at the end. And there is a moment I just love so much I want to share with you, a progression, where she, she's singing, am I the only one that can hear Tristan's, these beautiful sounds coming from within him as he's, he's lying dead, and she is able to see his, his, his transcendence or feel his transcendence. And we get this remarkable moment, uh, these remarkable harmonies. That moment there just kills me. So I want to share you with a little secret. Inside of that is the ya da 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 that we've been hearing. And I'll, I, want to, I will demonstrate. If we had more time, I'd have you sing it. Now hold on to this tone. He's embedded the Tristan progression in this moment of ultimate transcendence. It's so remarkable. And then when he, the way it ends, the opera ends, this, this tune, da, 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 finally climbs up to its final place of realization at the very end of the opera. And I just want you to, I, I wanted to wet your ears with this so you can hold it. Oh, sorry, right here. You hear the progression? Final note. Now, while it's reaching that high note, the bass is going down. Dum, bum. And that's balancing that this, these two opposing forces. There's exactly what was happening at the very beginning of the act, but duh, that we heard at the very beginning of the act, the funereal thing, but it's just that was in minor, this is in major. So there's just so many layers of things going on. And to, hit, to talk about this with some great depth and meaning, please welcome our two fabulous guests who are creators of this production. Peter Sellers, the director, and Kira Perov, who's executive director. Hello, yeah, hello, hello again. Hello, hello. Looking forward to this. And, So we're going to begin with Kira Perov first, because she was deeply involved, <laughs> I would say, committed. The uh, executive producer of yeah. every one of the images you're seeing yeah. and took the emotional journey as well to create this incredible body of work. Yeah. Kira Perov, everyone, yeah. please. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. 
Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to the last evening of this incredible series of evenings. Um, this is the sixth time <laughs> we're on the stage together, so we're going to be repeating some things. But um, first of all, I'd like to uh, say I'm sorry that Bill is not with us. He hasn't been well for some time now, and he, he was not able to join us. Um, but I will bring his, some of his words into this hall with me. So first of all, Act 3. The screen is now vertical, so things have drastically changed between Act 1 and 2 and then 3. So, but Bill wrote a really lovely text, I think you've probably um, seen it, in the programs. It's, it's called The Moving Image World, and I'll just read a little bit from it because he, his voice needs to be here. He says, the images are intended to function as symbolic inner representations that become reflections of the spiritual world in the mirror of the material and the temporal. And he goes on, he talks about Act 3. Act 3 describes the dissolution of the self in the stages of dying. The delicate and excruciating process of the separation and disintegration of the physical, perceptual, and conceptual components of conscious awareness. We are plunged into the agony and delirium of death and suffering, replete with visions, dreams, and hallucinatory revelations that play across the surface of a dying man's mind. When the flames of passion and fever finally engulfed the mind's eye and desire's body can never be met, the reflecting surface is shattered and collapses into undulating waves, wave patterns of pure light. Finally, the lovers ascend in turn and are drawn up in peace to a realm beyond the polarities of male and female, birth and death, light and darkness, beginning and end. So if I can find my second page. So this act three was the most difficult act for Bill to conceive and to create and the longest to resolve. He took inspiration from the secret signs of the stages of dissolution from the Tibetan Book of the Dead. These include the transforming of the elements from one to another. Earth into water, water into fire, fire into air, dissolution of air, finally the dissolving of consciousness into space. This was exactly the material that Bill needed to build a structure for Act Three. Images of the ravings of Tristan in his delirium started flowing. Bill could finally imagine some images. Before that, it was a lot of text and a lot of reading. So we see mirages. We see memories of home, of childhood. We see dark bubbles and dark grain, which represent the loss of consciousness. Nature, of course, as always, plays a big role. We see sacred springs and the ocean, the sea. The tree becomes the symbol of honor. 
and then lost honor when the tree turns to fire. We see underwater scenes again, drowning, and then the preparation for transition. Fire actually turns into water, and water becomes fire. Reflections figure heavily, so we are on the edge of illusion, or is it reality? The earthly bodies bound to their physical bodies have been left behind. We don't see them in this act. The heavenly bodies are now free from their physical bodies. So we were shooting at the edges of the day, sunrise, sunset, and often at night. So in fact, we were all rather delirious, especially with our tight schedule. Mostly everything was recorded in the space of three months. Mm. Preparing the material for editing was being done as much as we could simultaneously. Throughout the, all of these three acts, um, Bill achieved a great visual dynamic range using all kinds of cameras and recording devices which created a rich texture of images. He bought a new camcorder, which in 2004 is now pretty ancient. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, you could put the tape inside the, the, the camera and, and it was very, very easy to, to use. We used a high definition at that time for uh, some of the more formal shots. We also used uh, a 35 millimeter high-speed camera, film camera, actually, that recorded 300 frames per second for very slow motion. So we know that 24 frames a second is normally the film frame rate, but 300 frames, it means so many frames, a thousand feet of film shooting through that camera uh, in about a minute and a half. So all the action had to be done very, very quickly because in the end, like a minute and a half turned into 10 minutes once you were able to see all of those frames and slow the images down. So the last, the second two last uh, shots are done that way with that camera. Uh, we also used a lunar light camera, what we called, it was a black and white grainy camera. The lunar light <laughs> was one of our favorite cameras. We purchased it in 1986 to go on a five-month trip to the desert. Uh, and it, uh, it's a military, it was then, um, military night surveillance camera. And you could shoot in moonlight. And even one, f one flame, one candle flame was almost too much for this camera to deal with. It's absolutely gorgeous, but anyway. And then, of course, um, bank surveillance cameras, too, have a spectacular grain. Uh, and so, so all of these different qualities are seen in all of these images that come, especially in the third act. They're kind of packed in there. And it just um, it enables you to go together with Tristan in his semi-consciousness, unconsciousness, and conscious and delirious states. So they all represent something. 
Uh, we also had some archival footage that we used uh, and analog video, so, you know. But um, maybe that's enough of this. Um, and you feel all that. You know, yes, you, you feel absolutely all that. feel on that, and that's how you, and that's, um, and that's also in the music. That richness and the the dynamic range of the orchestration is just amazing. Um, before Peter takes over, I like to say that we've been friends since 1986, and it's always, I always learn something from Peter, always, and it's an honor for me to be. Wow. on this stage and these last six nights. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> the contribution that Kiara has made to this body of work from the beginning, those first trips that Bill and Kiara took to, for example, the desert, to the Sahara Desert, to make some of their very first works, which Bill was always interested in shooting what a camera couldn't see and really push a camera to the limits of what it can perceive. And so early on, he really wanted to film mirages. And so they began filming in the desert figures at great distances with these heat waves. And of course, the camera, the video camera, trying to locate what it's looking at <laughs> and r having to constantly adjust to find and search. And of course, all of Bill's work and the work that Kira has made with Bill is about searching. This is not about arriving, it's about searching and continuing to search and that search not ending, which is Wagner's endless yearning, endless hope, endless line, endless melody, because the melody keeps going. You don't arrive, you transition. You appear in a new form, which has all the elements of your old form in a new manifestation. And that continuous rebirth is, of course, the heart of Wagner's compositional technique, which is uh, what Russell was uh, showing you in that amazing <laughs> three acts in <laughs> 10 minutes. <Yeah. laughs> anyway, just to say, compression. <laughs> we're now at the final moment of this opera, which is death. Death as not disappearance, death as emergence. Death as stepping forward into who you are. And death as not going away, but of course, in the case of lovers, the person you love is already in you and you're, you're holding them with you forever. And when they leave, then you just don't have them in some other body, because now they're in your body, always. And Wagner moves into this realm where, as Tristan leaves the world, Wagner writes music of unbearable pain, unendurable pain. The orchestra is playing things. What the LA Philharmonic, what the string players have to go through when they do act three, the most tortured forms, what they're, the strings, the chords, the, 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 the nervous system is strained to the max. And I always quote the great Muslim philosopher from the 10th century, Al-Ghazali, 
none of us know when we're sitting next to that person who's leaving the world and trying to hold their hand or trying to talk to them. You don't know if they're hearing you. They don't know, you don't know if they recognize you. You don't know what they're going through. Al-Ghazali says, two drops of the pain of death, what someone who's dying is experiencing, would melt all the mountains on earth. That person is going through something unbearable. Wagner takes you into that unbearable realm where the body is tearing, tearing itself apart from the inside and where the memory is going wild. This act is 80 minutes long, but it could be one second in the life of somebody leaving the world. We don't know. We know so little about our own consciousness. We know so little about our own heart. We know so little about what we're really feeling, how we feel it, the way memory is moving through us at beyond the speed of light. Because we're so used to thinking in narrative terms of one foot in front of the other, but that's not how our DNA works. That's not how our memory works. Our memory works with these nodal connections that are instantaneous and simultaneous. And Wagner is trying to touch that with his musical language. Tristan is lying there dying. The prelude to act three is one of the most incredible pieces of music which just is about the death agony itself. Uh, Tristan's best friend, Kervinal, you know, the US Army um, colonel, who's so together and so is just a wreck because all of the power and intelligence and focus and purposefulness of the US Army is useless next to somebody dying. And all your military skill won't help. And you don't know what to say and you don't know how to say it. Tristan is going in and out of this delusionary state as, as Kira said so eloquently and Bill's images. Tristan is always sure that Isolde is coming. She's coming across the sea to see him again. Kervinal has sent for her. Everybody's watching for a ship. The ship doesn't come. Tristan sees her, says, can't you see? It's as old as she's there. Don't you see her? Bill and Kira shot these sequences in the Mojave Desert of a woman walking towards you from a mile away with these heat waves, making the body shimmer, wave to disappear, appear. This life of the illusion, the life when your senses are not serving you well, you're losing them. You see these blurs, these hallucinations, and what you're hearing, Wagner's giving you these clashing of worlds or these endless drifting silences where you have no thoughts at all. Bill uses the military camera to get this state of knowing nothing. 
the night vision where you barely recognize what you're looking at and what's around you. And that becomes the world that Tristan comes to us from and then goes back to. When Wagner was writing this in the 1850s, there was not the literature that we have now. We have this incredible literature of people who've been through near-death experiences, have written books, have described it. We have now a lot of information about what happens in the process of dying. And of course, in Tibet, as Kira mentioned, they gave the same, you know, what is science? Science is trying to learn something as knowledge. For us, we decided science would be about building a neutron bomb. For the Tibetans, it was, how do you die? <laughs> and Tibetans spent 12 centuries trying to understand the death process. And the science of the people who went part way and came back is already there in these 8th century texts that is now being corroborated by our newest up-to-date science exploring the world that is, can only be described as the unknown. As Kira says, in the dissolution process, when Earth becomes fire, where your material body starts to melt down and what you have is the heat, is what's left. And then the heat dissolves, those internal organs dissolve, and you have nothing but liquid, which is when the fire turns to water. And then when finally the liquids leave, the body dries out, and there's only air, and then there's only space. The Tibetans have mapped that out. Bill Viola has given you these overwhelming images of water becoming fire, fire becoming water. Why? Because Wagner finally is moving us past the oppositions. We're so binary. We want everything to be dual, this or that, yes or no, man or woman, right or wrong. Wagner says, excuse me, we're all wrong, and maybe sometimes we're right, but you can't separate them. It's not binary, it's both and. All of us are all of those things all the time. You can't separate the right moments from the wrong moments because they're all your life. And weirdly, the wrong moments led to the right moments because there would be no right moments unless there's some really horrible wrong moments. <laughs> and so Wagner, as one of history's famously most horrible people who ever lived, writes about how wrong you can be and the wrong path being, as Jesus said, the way to heaven. Is, it's the people making the biggest mistakes who create, well, as the Dalai Lama says, you have to thank God for your enemies because it deepens your practice. <laughs> It's not till we're challenged that we have to become our better selves. It's not until we've lost it, until we're ashamed, until we know we missed it, that we actually have to reach deeper and find something that we never looked for properly. These last moments waiting for Isolde to appear, 
Tristan goes through these very, very vivid memories. Bill Viola creates these videos out of simple things that take you back in your life to some of your earliest memories. And then, amazingly, Isolde does arrive. The video that accompanies that is so breathtaking. Mm -hmm. As Russell has told you, uh, he gave it away. <laughs> she arrives as Tristan dies. And they overlap consciousness for about 30 seconds. And he's gone. And then Wagner gives Isolde this incredible, amazing aria, which is what we all go through when we lose someone, which is relief, guilty relief, horror, anger, fury, desolation, disappointment, going backwards, going forwards, fighting yourself, finding the person who died, just this nightmare of spinning and spinning and spinning between all of these emotions, all of these memories, all of these projections forward. And during that, Bill has his most, one of his most extraordinary videos, which is Firewoman, as he calls it, where you watch flames turn into water, flaming water. The opposites meet, the worlds infuse each other in pure golden light. And then we get to the final images of the opera, which are some of the most sublime images ever made. And I do really think it's not too much to say that Bill's images do go to that Sistine Chapel level, where an artist creates something that is what artists do in organized religion, <laughs> is create images that reach beyond the doctrine. The popes have the doctrine. Michelangelo went to another place in the Sistine Chapel, where spirituality transcends doctrine and moves in experiential forms. The last images that Bill has created for this are quite overwhelming. I would say Wagner also wrote this last music that is incredible, inspired by visual art. He was living in Venice, and every day he went to see Titian's Assumption of the Virgin, the Virgin Ascending. And it's one of Titian's most breathtaking paintings, and it shows the Virgin lifting up in the sky of its peach and pink and orange and yellow and glowing with blue inside it. And she's floating up and she's looking upwards and all of these heavenly hosts are waiting to receive her. And on earth that she's just left are all of these people sad looking at the ground going, oh my God, we've lost her. Wagner took that image for the famous Liebestod at the end. Liebestod, by the way, was invented by, you know, love death. 
That was the term Wagner never used. Wagner said the transfiguration. Liszt, when he rearranged Tristan for solo piano, called it the Liebestod and it stuck. But Wagner had something else in mind. Transfiguration. Continuing in a new form. And so Isolde sings to the people around her, can't you see? He's smiling. He's breathing. He's alive. Look up, my friends. Look up. And of course, Wagner <laughs> saw that painting with Titian putting all those people mourning who missed the fact that she's transfigured in all this blaze of color over their heads. All these people are just looking at the ground, looking at their feet. It's important to remember in life, please stop looking at your feet. Please lift your head and look to where we're going. And Fogner says, we're continuing. And creates this incredible bridge into a future that is also the past, as Russell has shown you with all that music is what we started with. All those seeds are ripening. All those trees are things we planted. And those final moments are Wagner moving into a space of pure light. Bill Viola takes us to a place that cannot even be described. And I would just say tonight, I'm so grateful you're here. This is uh, the last 15 minutes of this are an experience you just will never find again in your life. I have to say Bill did something extraordinary with Kira is they paid for this entire project because no arts organization could ever afford to make these films. And Bill and Kira designed many of these episodes to, in a new form as pieces in art galleries and you can see them in museums and private collections all over the world. And the sales from that paid for the entire project. And the complete thinking through this as a work of art, not as a piece of scenery, as responding to Wagner artistically, emotionally, humanly, not to illustrate, but to put next to Wagner a dialogue, an engagement. Wagner took myth on. He took one of history's greatest myths of Tristan and Isolde. I always tell people Bill's definition of myth because it's so beautiful. Bill always said, myth is the form you fill out at the DMV. <laughs> you have to write in your name where you live, what make of car you have, because it's about you. <laughs> Myth exists because it's not someone else's story. There has to be a story that each of us can look into and see someone we know, but who we don't know well enough, and that would be ourselves and the person we live with. 
and myth is about touching a truth that we hardly ever dare to touch day to day. And the myth says, no, there's a whole other set of truths waiting for you. Please step forward into this chamber or into this universe or into this cosmovision. <laughs> Wagner picks the cosmovision and says, step up into your fullness of being, which is transcendent at every moment of your life, with every in-breath and every out-breath. Bill reached very far for these last images, and they're some of the most sacred and beautiful images he ever made. And Wagner is trying to touch the sacred. As we've said in previous evenings, Wagner was very, very irritated by the limitations of official Christianity in the 19th century. But that image of ascension and transcendence was so powerful for him. He wanted to feel it experientially rather than as doctrine. And he also wanted to recognize that in fact it's what we do feel in these moments in our lives that we don't know how to describe. And music can go there. And visual art can go there. And poetry can go there. So again tonight, please plunge deep. Yes, collect some of the things we're talking about, but also go to your own place of wildness, freedom, transcendence, imagination. This precious time belongs to you. The Alley Philharmonic is playing for you to go deep into your own dreams, into your own life, into the things you care about and the things you worried about, the things we fear, and the place we're all going, because not one of us is not going to die. We'll all be dying, and everybody we know, we're going to be with them while they die. The truth is you die alone. That's what you'll see in the staging. That's what Bill's images give you. As Kira mentioned, the screen which we've seen in landscape mode for the first two acts, Bill wanted to shift that, and the whole screen turns vertical, and we're suddenly in the realm of Chinese scroll, which is not about life on Earth. It's about Earth, man, heaven. It's the vertical, spiritual universe. And suddenly, you're getting this incredible vertical power that moves up and up and up and up and down and down and down and down and holds both. Mm. Have a beautiful evening. Thank you so much. Kara Perov, Peter Sellers, what a Thank gift. Thank you for coming. What a gift. If those of you who are interested in, I, I have posted on my website blogs of all the music examples at russellsteinberg.com. You can, you can access it there. We're very lucky to have them. Can I hear again some applause for Peter Sellers?
Sheriff Harrell.